0: Meet Denise. She has Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism and has been trying to balance her thyroid for years. Her TSH is often elevated, but taking thyroid replacement didn't actually make her feel better. Actually, in some sense, it even made her feel worse. She tried Synthroid and Levothyroxine, and while her TSH did go down from those, she still felt off. She saw an integrative doctor who prescribed Armour but she felt so wired from it, she could only tolerate a tiny dose. And unfortunately the small dose was not enough to keep her TSH in a good range and it jumped back up. And she felt like she was back at square one. Her doctor then decided to try Tyrosin with her. Now, this is a T4 only medication that's made with no fillers or excipients. Denise was excited and thought that that could make her feel better. Her TSH did go back down and that was great, but she was still feeling tired and not feeling herself. Her doctor was out of options, and that is when she came to see me. I saw her labs and noticed that while her TSH and T4 were okay on the tyrosine, her T3 was really low, and that would explain why she was still feeling off. But from everything that she's told me, she could not handle T3. I knew that while she was on the right track, we needed a slightly different approach to solve her health mystery. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know, because that was me, before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. We just heard about Denise's thyroid struggles, and to talk much more about her case, I invited Jim Herzer back on the show. Jim is the compounding pharmacist extraordinaire, and you may remember him back from earlier this year where we talked about bioidentical hormones, and he is such a... A wealth of information and provided so much valuable content. So if you missed that episode, which was demystifying hormones for perimenopause and menopause, please be sure to go back and check it out. And so for this episode, I could not think of a better person to share his wisdom. Welcome back, Jim.
1: Thank you for having me back. Uh, I can tell you that this is one of my favorite podcasts, and uh, you do a great job for your listeners, and they're lucky to have you.
0: You're so sweet. Thank you. So we're talking about thyroid today, and thyroid in Hashimoto's is a topic I cover very often and really drive home the fact that this is not a one-size-fits-all approach. Thyroid issues are complicated, to say the least. However, the more we know about what's going on with the body and the thyroid and the organs that support it, the better that we can tailor the support for it. And I always talk about testing all of the thyroid markers, which I'm sure you probably agree, You know that we really wanna see everything. It's not just about TSH, but it's looking at things like total and free T4 and total and free T3, the reverse, the uptake, and of course the antibodies, because so many people don't even know they have Hashimoto's unless we test those antibodies. And then that's how we know more about what support the person needs. And speaking of support, while I think a lot of people are familiar with Synthroid, which is, you know, most commonly prescribed for hypothyroidism, there are so, so many other medications and other support for thyroid that may work better for different people depending on their case. So I would love to get into that. And Jim, tell us a little bit more in addition to Synthroid, What are some of the other medications that are available? Um,
1: Of course, there are uh, different versions of of T4. T4 is Synthroid or or, uh, Levothyroxine, and it is the storage form of thyroid hormone. The, The thyroid gland makes T4. And then T4 has to be converted into T3 to be active. And so if you really want to know what's working in your body, we've got to look at T3. So when we start looking at thyroid hormones to replace, uh, to replenish our levels, we've got to look at T4. We've got to look at T3. We've got to make sure, as you said, that reverse T3 is not uh, a problem, is not getting too elevated because T4 can be converted to T3 under certain conditions. I mean, to reverse T3, excuse me, under certain conditions in reverse t 3 does block thyroid activity. And uh, that means you're going to have your slower metabolism. You're going to have the the brain fog uh, and the cooler temperature in the body, which means all your enzymes in your body are going to be extremely sluggish because enzymes are happy when your temperature is 98 degrees. When it's 97 and 96, your enzymes are not happy. So every biologic system in your body slows down. So it is really important to have the right combination of thyroid hormones, T4, T3, reverse T3. And then we have uh, formulations out there that are commercially available. We have a desiccated thyroid, which uh, we often refer to as uh, porcine thyroid USP. And, uh, and that has T4, T3, Plus it has some other things in it. It has T1, T2, which are metabolites of T3 and T4. And it also has some some calcitonin and uh, some selenium, things that help you convert T4 to T3 so that you have the active form. So it's nice to know what's available. Then we also have compounds, which we can talk about um, at one time in this uh, talk. And the compounded versions allow us to custom tailor the formulations to the patient's needs as opposed to going, well, this is all that's commercially available, so that's all you can have.
0: Yeah. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't realize. Their doctor may tell them, okay, well, you have hypothyroidism. Your TSH is high. Your hormones are low. Here is Synthroid, which is exactly what was happening in Denise's case. And that's pretty much it. Once in a while, if the doctor is more open and they are looking at all of the thyroid markers and they see low T3, they may recommend medication to help with T3. If it's synthetic, I'm assuming they would use Cytomel or something along those lines, or they would use, like you said, the desiccated. But there's still a lot of potential issues with that. So for people that are very sensitive, tell us a little bit more about some of the other ingredients in these medications, and could they affect people who are sensitive?
1: When I see sensitivity, normally what we're talking about is like, let's just say that you take your, your thyroid in the morning and a few hours later, your heart is pounding, you're having palpitations, you're having nervousness, tachycardia. You feel hot, you feel nervous. You know, you may even have insomnia all the way into the evening and uh, indicating that, that maybe you've gotten too high or you've just gotten too high for a short period of time. We've got to determine, is that because the dosage is incorrect or is it because other issues are going on? For instance, uh, I always, when I'm testing for thyroid, I also test for ferritin and oftentimes iron, because if a patient is low on iron, then then they will have a low oxygen carrying capacity in their blood. Therefore, when the thyroid stimulates their metabolism then the heart is going to try to catch up to that metabolism to get oxygenation out to the body. However, since you have a low oxygenation within the, the uh, hematocrit, you know the, the blood, the red blood cells, then unfortunately their heart's going to pound and it's going to go fast. It's going to be have tachycardia and they're going to have symptoms associated and thinking that they have high thyroid when in reality they have low iron or low ferritin, which is the protein that carries iron in the body. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know?
0: It does, and that is such a good point because you're right, so many people think that they are then maybe getting too much medication, but that may not often be the case. That's a great
1: point. Yeah, I had a uh, one of my uh, patients and and uh, she was losing hair, she had flat affect, you know, foggy brain, and her metabolism was slow. She was gaining weight and And we had her on as much thyroid as she could tolerate without her heart just pounding out of her chest. And finally, I said, Doc, you know, can you please test her iron and her ferritin, uh, even TIBC, total iron binding capacity? And sure enough, you know, she was on the low side. She wasn't totally anemic, but she was on the low side. And when we got that fixed, all of a sudden, her hair came back, her her skin started glowing, uh, she started losing weight, and her mood Improved dramatically, brain fog lifted. Lifted. It was all about getting her iron fixed. <laughs> Isn't mm-hmm. interesting?
0: Yeah. Now this is also something that there's varying opinions. But in terms of iron levels, do you have optimal levels of where you would like to see, say, a total iron, a hemoglobin, a TIBC, and a ferritin? Yeah.
1: You know, whenever I look at this, you know, obviously everybody is an individual, and I never treat people as cookie cutter, one size fits all as nor do you. And so when I look at these cases, I look at the entire case. I don't just look at, I'm just not just a lab rat looking at just one number and say, oh, where I look at, excuse me, I look where in the range they are, you know, are they a lower part of the range? Are they out of the range? Are they in the middle of the range? Because if they're in the middle of the range, I'm, I'm thinking they're probably, I need to be looking elsewhere. But if they're in the lower part of the range, but they're in the normal range, which is where 95% of Americans mm-hmm. are, in, and that means that, that you could be in the bottom of the range and be in the range, and the doctor's going to say, hey, you know what? You're fine. For sure. Whereas I might say, you know what, you're in the bottom of the range. You made a D minus on that test. I want you to make a at least a B in order to pass this quiz. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, you know? Yeah. So, so we, I look at at where in the range they are, and uh, and then I try to determine because every lab has a different range on that. Exactly.
0: Therefore, I was just going to say, if you're on East Coast versus West Coast.
1: Yeah, I can't give you a number, but I can say, if you look at the reference range and just say, am I in the low part of the range, the middle part of the range, the upper part of the range, where am I? And then we can make a better determination as to, do we need to look elsewhere for the issue?
0: Well, and I think because the range vary so much, that number is probably important to some degree, right? Because some ranges are going to be a lot wider. So the middle, well, the middle range is still the best wherever you want to be, but on the lower part of the range, right, depending on where you are in the country, will be affected.
1: I'm totally looking at symptoms. I'm looking at the case. I'm looking at symptoms. And uh, and when I see symptoms being alleviated, um, then I make sure with the labs that I'm not getting crazy. I'm not too high. I'm not too low. You know. Th- so therefore, it's a way for me to validate what I'm reading clinically and symptoms in the patient.
0: So we were chatting before about some of the other things and the potential issues with some of the medications, and you were saying that iron plays a role because of how someone can then basically utilize the medication, so to speak. And then what about in terms of some of the additives? Because each of the medications for the most part, are going to have things that are added, whether there are colorings, whether there are things to, you know, if it's a tablet, to kind of hold the tablet together. What are some of those things? And are you seeing issues with some of those with people?
1: There's all kinds of controversy out there about which desiccated thyroid tablet, whether it's Armour or Nature Naturethroid or West Westthroid, is the best. So the, the active ingredient in there is porcine thyroid powder USP. And I can tell you that all, no matter which brand you get, you're getting the same thyroid powder and it's uh, standardized. And I can and also tell you that in every one of these, and no matter what they claim, all all three brands and any other brand that they might have out there is going to have lactose in it. Because lactose is part of the diluent that they use in order to standardize these porcine thyroid powders. Um, so there's always going to be just a touch of lactose. Now, it is not a lot. It's Even for a lactose intolerant person, it's probably not enough to even cause any issue. Um, and of course, they're going to have triodothyronine, which is T3 and the thyroxine T4. And as I said earlier, T1, T2, and some some proteins, some thyroglobulin proteins. But They're going to put other things in there, as you said, fillers, and uh, like calcium stearate or dextrose, um, you know, microcrystalline cellulose, uh, sodium starch glycolate, and in and uh, titanium dioxide to give it you know that white color, and I can tell you of. No matter which brand you get, uh, everybody says, "Oh, I got to go gluten-free because you know all of all the all of my Hashimoto's patients, including my wife. You know, <laughs> she doesn't mind me talking about it. Uh, are Hashimoto's patients are sensitive to gluten, and so we've got to be careful of that. But I can say that none of those have gluten in them." But and and like for sodium starch glycolate, for instance, is in Armour, and it's a dispersing agent. It actually causes the tablet to dissolve and dissipate well. And it, but it's not derived from gluten-containing foods. And then even dextrose, dextrose in, in uh, Armour Thyroid, they reformulated it. Uh, I don't know eight years ago, and they decided to. Uh, reduce the amount of dextrose in it. And they also noticed that their tablets weren't dissolving as fast as they want them to, to dissolve. Therefore, they loosened the pack, you know, as how, how, how tightly they pack the tablet, which on some people with a, uh, a very fast bowel transit time can go right through the intestinal tract before it dissolves. And so um, they did do a good job of, of calming that down. Uh, and as you know, um, Nature Throid, they said, oh, well, we're less expensive than Armor Thyroid. And Nature Throid has most of the same ingredients, to be honest with you. And so I mean, it even has a couple of extra ingredients. But Nature Throid has had a hard time getting enough medication out into the supply chain. You know, they had problems. Matter of fact, there was an international shortage of just the porcine thyroid powder USB. We, as compounders, were having trouble. Uh, When Armour Thyroid, you know, uh, when they reopened their plant, I don't know, was it eight years ago, I think, you know? Yes, I've heard. Um, When they reopened their plant, they they had had an old plant they'd had for years and years and years, and they wanted to update. They wanted to come into the 20th century, you know, because desiccated thyroid has been around forever. And so they wanted to upgrade. Well, the FDA hates uh, natural thyroid, just hates it. They want everybody to use Synthroid. And so, in spite of the fact, there's been more recalls on Synthroid than any other medication I've ever had in the pharmacy for subpotency.
0: Really? Uh, Oh, my gosh. I did not know that. That's so interesting. Only because you hear so much, well, probably from the FDA, right, that armor isn't you know, regulated as well. I mean, there's some endocrinologists that still don't use it because they feel like it's not regulated, even though I know that's all been disproven from my understanding, right?
1: Absolutely, it has been. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, they have to have an exact amount of T3, an exact amount of T4 in order to pass the standardization test. And without that standardization, like for instance, on one grain of armor thyroid, it has I believe, nine micrograms of T3 and it has 38 micrograms of T4. And so without that standardization, uh, they don't pass. They don't get to get onto the market and get onto the pharmacist shelves. So just to let you know, you can, you can toss that out. Yeah.
0: And can you repeat those numbers one more time? Because this is something that a lot of people don't know. And I would love people to have that understanding. What is the microgram amount in one grain?
1: Yeah, just a one grain. Uh, we oftentimes refer to it in the pharmacy as 60 milligrams. And it has nine micrograms of T3 and 38 micrograms of T4. And so if you have two grains, it's just double that amount, mm-hmm. okay?
0: Yeah, I know this is really good to know because I think where people get confused – is because sometimes people may switch from say a, a desiccated thyroid to a synthetic and they think, oh, well, I'm on 60 milligrams, but I think they sometimes mistakenly think it's 60 micrograms and they say, oh, well, I need 60 of the other medicine and it doesn't work that way. And mm-hmm. oftentimes, and I know there's charts that, that look at that, but sometimes there's a lot of confusion. So I'm glad that you're um, saying that here. Um, that's great to know.
1: I, I can say that, that uh, a lot of people who want to go a little more natural you know, are using the Westroid, you know, the WP. And, and again, it has the porcine thyroid USP, you know, it, it has the lactose, just like all the others, um, and the T1, T2, calcitonin. But it also, has, as a, a filler, it uses inulin, which is from chicory root, and it's a soluble fiber you know, and as you and I both know, soluble fibers are prebiotics. Now, um, I would love to tell you that, oh, this is going to give you your prebiotics for your gut. However, there's not enough in there to probably do any good. And so I wish there was, you know, so it's at least, it's at least a a toss in the right direction of natural, you Mm -hmm. know, it has medium chain triglycerides uh, powder, which is derived from, of course, coconut oil, Uh, medium chain triglycerides are just MCT, uh, as you know, as your bullet coffee or whatever you want to call it. But, uh, uh, they've been able to powder it and use that as a filler. Um, you know, the, the question is 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 that going to enhance or is it going to decrease um, absorption? You know, I, and I might ask, you know, I'm not sure. You know, usually MCT is, is almost instantly absorbed, and therefore it probably shouldn't affect the absorption of thyroid hormone. But what I would say is that when you're on a brand, like let's say you're on Armor or you're on NP or, or you're on West stay with that brand. Because if you switch brands, you're going to probably have to retitrate your dosages in order to become balanced again. And not because one is better than the other than the other, is just because it's just the way that it reacts in your body. You can't just switch back and forth just because, oh, i got a better deal this week on this one than I did on that one last month. You know, don't, Don't fall into that trap. Stay with the same one. This is too important. These are tiny, tiny amounts of hormones in these, and it is too big a deal to start switching around just to to save a dollar.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess in a way, I know it's very, very different, but for the analogy, you know, if it's someone's on birth control pill, I mean, they're all doing similar things, but it's completely different in terms of, you know, how they're put together. So you wouldn't switch from one brand to the other all the time. So sounds like this is similar, even though this, of course, is the exact same dosage, but
1: still. So I, I am not uh, one of those that, that believes that that armor is not as good as the others. Um, I have had too much experience and su- patient successes, you know, successful patient outcomes with one ver- and with the next one and with the next one. Matter of fact, I, I tended to have the least um, consistency when I was using NP, it was such a good price that a lot of patients chose it. But I seem to have trouble with the consistency in that one more so than I did with the Armour or with the Westroid. Hmm. Interesting. And i then I'd be honest with you, this is experiential. This has nothing to do with any study that I've ever seen. I'm just talking about just my experience with my patients.
0: Gotcha. So what are some of the downfalls of... The medications that are already sort of preset. I mean, we talked about some of the extra ingredients, um, but what else? You know,
1: um, one of the things that that I um, have a rule because I I do treatment plans for my patients. Uh, a ton As a matter of fact that's most of my job is doing treatment plans for patients and so the doctors just say you know you're the thyroid whisperer please help me with this case i can't I cannot figure it out and uh, and I do have some rules that I follow and uh, it may be similar to your rules you know because you know you you are such a wealth of information on thyroid um, but when I'm teaching my class because I teach a lot of doctors how to do this um, and in in the thyroid class I, I usually say, Once you get to two grains of the desiccated thyroid, you know, the armored thyroid, the west thyroid, the nature thyroid, once you get to two grains, you're now using um, 76 micrograms of T4. And uh, when you go much higher than that, then what you risk is you risk that T4 converting to reverse T3. And especially in patients like Hashimoto's, patients with with, uh, chronic inflammation Patients with autoimmune diseases, maybe not even Hashimoto's, um, those patients are going to have more of a tendency to, to convert to reverse T3 at a higher rate than maybe a healthy patient. So the higher you go on your desiccated thyroids, the more likely you are to be to be problematic in your, T, your reverse T3 levels, meaning it's going to be blocking your thyroid activity. Yeah. So, now, Do
0: you feel that is the case with the desiccated versus if you're on, say, Synthroid going to higher dosages? I'm
1: just curious. Um, it, it's actually both because T4 is T4. It doesn't matter okay. if T4 is in desiccated or T4 is... Being taken by itself, and so to, to finish the thought, what I was going to say is that I'm typically once I get past two grains, I usually try to never go over three grains, and then I, I uh, I'm, I'm monitoring the the reverse T3, I'm monitoring the T3, monitoring the T4, and then uh, I start adding T3 by itself uh, because. T3 is already in the active form. It actually has a longer half-life than people realize. You know, T3, everybody thinks that T3 has such a fast onset of action, and they think, well, it must also get out of your system fast, and that's not true. You know, um, you have steady state levels for a, a day and a half to two days, and so I typically make sure that my patient's I want to make sure their T3 is optimized. I'm not as worried about the T4. I'm not worried about as, as worried about TSH. I use those as markers you know, to make sure that I'm doing a good job. But T3, the, the free T3 level is what is most important to me. And also an absence of uh, high levels of reverse T3. Right, for sure. Typically on our patients, we'll titrate. Once I get them up to two grains and again, never more than three grains, and I still need more T3, then I tend to just start adding T3 in small increments. You know, I may add it in, in 2.5 to 5 microgram increments, 7.5 uh, increments. So
0: you're adding that in addition to their desiccated thyroid.
1: Exactly. Okay. And what we do is we we find out where, as we titrate up at, at weekly intervals, you know, week to 10 day intervals, um, as we titrate means slowly, slowly increasing the dosage, then I may say, okay, I'm going to allow you to titrate up to 15 micrograms and then we're going to retest. And, uh, and that way I can find their perfect thyroid. And if I, I tell them, I say, you know what, if you're getting heart palpitations, tachycardia, all of a sudden you're nervous, hot, not sleeping, then, then let's lower down to the previous dosage. Let's say that they got to 15, go back down to 10 micrograms of the T3 and continuing to take your baseline of your desiccated thyroid, and and then let's test and let's see how you're doing, and uh, and that way we're able to find their exact dosage, the one that they tolerate, the one that uh, resolves their symptoms, and also is is in the. The what I would say, the optimal portion of the lab range.
0: So what I hear you saying, though, when we were talking about like some of the potential downfalls of some of these medications, it sounds like because you have to add other stuff to it, and we already talked about some of the fillers that could have an issue, but it's really, it sounds like what you're saying is that the dosage is also an issue because the dosages are only available in what they're available. And like you said, um, you know, the desiccated come in 38 and 9, right? Like if you need 40 and 10, well, you don't have that, right? So you have to use other things. And then the same with Synthroid and some of the other ones, they come in, you know, 13 or 25 increments, right? So it's hard to get the exact. So with that, the compounding of the hormones is what can, help this issue, right? So tell us a little bit about that and what are the advantages of having a compounded thyroid hormone? Because a lot of people don't realize that that's even available.
1: This is where I I get to uh, insert um, this customization into the treatment plans. And, and when we have a case that is just seems difficult or impossible for a doctor to, to resolve all of a sudden I can have success simply because I can customize every little bit of that way back. And, and this is just a typical example, way, way back. My wife, uh, she went to her gynecologist and he says, "My goodness, you have dry skin." <laughs> Here she is with the gynecologist and in the most uncompromising of positions, and he says, "My, your legs are dry," <laughs> and 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 she says, "Well, what is what does that mean to you?" And he says, "I'm worried about your thyroid, Jan." And so <laughs> so anyway, she uh, came home and she said, "Jim, what do you know about thyroid?" I said, "Well, not that much, because again, this is a long time ago," and I, so I I decided to do some testing on her and I tested a lot more tests than what our doctor who is one of my best friends had been testing on her and uh, found out not only did she have very low thyroid, she had elevated TSH and she had Hashimoto's. You know, she had, she was both uh, TPO and thyroglobulin globulin antibody uh, positive and, and she had very high levels. And we wondered what was going on with her that, that she had this. So, so, You know, they they tried Synthroid. Well, she felt worse. You know, the T4, um, and as is common in Hashimoto's patients, they just don't do as well as a rule. As a rule, there's always exceptions, but as a rule, um, 80 to 90% of cases are not well controlled with just T4. And so uh, I thought, you know what? I can compound T3 and T4. And so I did all these calculations. It took me a full day to finish all these calculations, make sure I had them right. Cause it's, we we're talking micrograms of stuff. That is a tiny, tiny amount. I mean, it's not even a pinhead amount. And, uh, and I wanted to make sure they were accurate to compound these because nobody was doing it at the time. And also I wanted to make it in a slow release capsule because when she took immediate release on her thyroid, um, even at a low dose, um, we could only get her TSH down to 16. We want it down to two or one or even less. Well, we could only get down to 16. It was at 35 before we had started giving the armor thyroid, but she was having palpitations. She just could not tolerate it. So I said, I'm going to make a T3 and a T4, which is what I had available, and I'm going to make it in a slow-release capsule. And, uh, and so anyway, we titrated her up slowly but surely, and we titrated her up all the way to d- don't fall out of your seat you know, seven grains of T3 and T4. That, so that's synthetic T3, synthetic T4. And so it was not desiccated, you know, not the natural porcine. Seven grains. It finally got her TSH down to one. Her T3 was right in the smack dab, you know, 3.2, perfect uh, for her. It, it, that's what she tolerated well. Her T4 was good, you know, and, uh, and, and a reverse T3 was good. And so, for the first time in in several years, she felt normal again. And uh, and then uh, I met a famous thyroid uh, lecturer, David Brownstein, and he and I had a long talk uh, about this case. And he said, you know, you may want to try her on desiccated. She may do better. And so I thought, I went back and I thought, you know, nobody had been even doing the, the T3, T4 at that time. Again, it was a long time ago. I was one of the innovators of that. So I thought, well, armored thyroid, if I give the same amount, or desiccated thyroid, if I give the same amount, just maybe crush them up and put them into a slow-release capsule, it'll be identical. Let me just tell you that uh, – I, so I gave her the seven grains of, uh, of the – Desiccated thyroid, crushed up Armour thyroid, put into a slow release capsule. So
0: you actually used Armour. You weren't. You didn't just get the desiccated powder to put it in. You used the.
1: At the the time, desiccated powder was not available. You know, Ah, we're we're talking Mm -hmm. we're talking history here. Okay. Okay. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Got it. When, when I say I was a pioneer, I was, <laughs> because, not because I'm brilliant, but but because it was a long time ago. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing at myself just a little bit here. So I, uh, uh, and it, she jumped out of her skin. She said, oh, Jim, this is way too much. And I said, but it's exactly the same amount of T4 and T3. She said, Jim, it is too much. And so anyway, we ended up uh, with four grains um, of the slow release, um, desiccated thyroid, was equivalent to the seven grains of just the T3, T4. So there is a huge difference in what those extra components are in desiccated that make them work better than what is in just a synthetic T3 and T4. So that was a very long story to tell you that there is a big difference in just the two synthetic T3 and T4 and all those extra ingredients that are contained in desiccated thyroid uh, USP. And and, uh, that may be something you've noticed in your own practice as well.
0: I have. I have. I mean, I noticed it with myself as well. I had to switch off of the desiccated because I was reacting and my antibodies were going way up with it. So I went to synthetic, which Mm -hmm. is great for me, but the dose is slightly higher because I was on one grain, which is, as you're saying, 38 and 9. And then when I went to synthetic, I'm at like 50 and 13, and that is keeping things
1: at a level range. For me i really do like the idea of of titrating with uh, t4 does not have to be slow release and you know we can talk about immediate release and slow release and 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 i can compound t4 in a slow release capsule but the reality is is t4 is already slow release um it's slowly converted to t3 or reverse t3 um at a at a very gradual rate now on the t3 side you know the active form of thyroid hormone we there are a lot of people who, even if they need more T3, they can't tolerate it if it's immediate release because it does slam you. I mean, <laughs> I can't think of another word to say other than slam you, and uh, and so I don't have all that much tolerance with the um, immediate release T3. And so, therefore, I encourage patients to use the slow-release T3, so they do have good tolerance, and uh, and we may have to use a little more. I'm not worried about how many micrograms I, I use. I'm worried about what is the level, the steady state level, 24 hours after the last dose. And that's when I, I say, okay, we're getting this case under control when I've got that T3, that re, that free T3 level at a, at a nice level um, in the labs.
0: So as I'm thinking of my listener, I know that one question that they would probably have is, we're always told that we need to have our thyroid medicine on an empty stomach and wait at least 45 minutes, if not even an hour to eat. So if we are doing a slow release. How slow is the slow release? And does that mean they have to wait longer to eat because if they eat in an hour and it's still releasing, is that going to affect the absorption?
1: That's a good question. And no, um, be honest with you, we're talking about um, the capsule. When you have a slow release capsule, we we put in there something called E4M, which is just a plant cellulose compound. And this plant cellulose, when it gets mixed with water in your stomach, it, it actually forms a colloid, which is which is just like this slick boogery type material, <laughs> um, and uh, and this colloid uh, goes through the intestinal tract intact, and it leaches the hormone out of it as it goes through your intestinal tract. So it's giving you a little bit of hormone all day long. Now we can use this same slow release technology with with estradiol and estriol and progesterone and testosterone. Um, you know other hormones, DHEA, but when we're talking about uh, thyroid hormone, for those people who do get that heart pounding and and that tachycardia, it makes sense to use the slow release. The only time the slow release is not a great choice, and I can tell you from just lots of patient experience, is if they have really fast bowel transit time. In other words, the slow release capsule doesn't have time to fully. Uh, leach all of its active ingredients before it gets eliminated out the back door or number two if they are extremely constipated um, when they have a very slow bowel i mean really slow bowel sometimes the slow release capsules just don't do the trick you know mm-hmm. and so um, and and to be honest with you there's no hard and fast rule It is just if it's not working and in a slow release and i switch to immediate release
0: Yeah, and but what about in terms of the food? Is it because it's going into the intestines first anyway? Before you would eat breakfast, it's sort of ahead of the food. Is that how you think about it? They don't
1: have to worry about it. Exactly, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, Um, you still want to wait forty-five minutes. You always. You now. I have some patients who say, Jim, you know, I. I, uh, I forgot to take it in the morning and then I eat breakfast and next thing I know it's that evening and I just, just skip the dose the whole day and I said, you know what? It would have been better if you would had taken it with your breakfast as opposed to just not taking it at all. Yes, you're going to lose a little bit of the dosage um, with maybe some, some uh, interactions with food but please just take it and then tomorrow remember to take it on an empty stomach. Like I take mine when I get up, my feet hit the floor, I go take my thyroid and then I go use the restroom. <laughs> I've, mm-hmm. I've got my routine down. Me you know?
0: too. I put it out <laughs> The night before, I am my nightstand with a glass of water, so it's always there.
1: You know, and people say, "Well, how do you get that routine down?" I say, "Well, gosh, I can remember to brush my teeth, and I can remember to take my thyroid." You know, yep. <laughs> so
0: a hundred percent for sure. So, that, and,
1: you know, it, we we discussed briefly, um, you know, privately that that you have a preference for immediate release desiccated on patients, and I do too. Um, oh, I no, can
0: t- not necessarily. I mean, I think it's so. It really depends. Yeah, I. For me personally, like immediate release synthetic, which is what I use, but everyone's so different. So
1: Absolutely. And all I was going to say is that I don't disagree with the fact that, that if a patient can tolerate immediate release um, desiccated or um, T3 and T4, then great. But if they don't, we've got the option of the slow release. Now, I can tell you that, again... When we have a slow-release capsule, we're going to probably have to give anywhere from, from 30 to 50% more in order to achieve the same uh, serum levels. Ah, um, that so. is
0: great to know. And I think that people are really going to appreciate that, yes. Mm-hmm. So
1: in other words, you can't you can't be taking uh, let's just say one grain of Armour thyroid immediate release, and then to say you know what I'm going to take time release and take the same grain and expect the same result. It is not going to happen. It's going to be like you took a quarter to a half a grain, and and I can tell you from experience that we have to up our game, whenever we're using slow release. So we got to use more hormone, which doesn't bother me a bit. I don't care how many milligrams or micrograms we use. All I care about is what is the outcome of the case? What's going to work for the patient?
0: Yeah. Now, do you think, and this is, I don't know if anyone can really answer this. I don't know if there's ways to know, but do you feel like if you're using a higher dose that possibly that can signal to the thyroid that it doesn't need to work as hard because it's coming in and then it becomes more quote-unquote lazy? Some people do say that. What are your thoughts?
1: You know, I have that conversation with patients all the time. And uh, and they say, well, if I get on this thyroid, am I going to have to stay on this? I'm just going to go... <laughs> Well, yeah, you probably are because you know you need it. I mean, we, there's a possibility that we can do some things, uh, some support uh, measures, which you and I will, can talk about if you want to, Aina, but, but we can do some support measures that may help you to be able to get off of this, but the reality is, is, is that you – you need it, and uh, if we've optimized everything else in your body and you still need it, yes, you're going to probably need to be on this the rest of your life, but that's a whole lot better than having foggy brain and, and gaining weight and uh, getting metabolic syndrome and having increased heart disease, increased mortality, uh, and morbidity and mortality associated with low thyroid. I mean, people live longer and healthier with, with good, solid thyroid levels. And, uh, and I mean, they even have less cancers. And so thyroid is really important. Uh, when you think about, as I said earlier, every biologic process in the body, um, every enzyme that works in your body depends on, on thyroid to regulate the uh, the rate, and the rate-regulating step is what is the temperature in your body. Enzymes are sluggish at cold temperatures, and enzymes work fantastic in the 98s. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this is such a good point. And I'm really glad you're bringing in that because this is a conversation I have with a lot of people as well, you know, just through listeners of the show and also just uh, clients in my practice as well. And people do ask, you know, can I ever get off? And like you said, it depends. There's certain support. And, you know, especially if someone has Hashimoto's, it's more about balancing the immune system. But then getting the hormone levels where they need to be is a whole other thing. And I think people, look at me as someone who comes at it more from a holistic perspective and they think that I'm going to say, no, no, like we're not going to do medicine and we don't need medicine. And, you know, I think you're so right. Like I look at thyroid medicine a little bit differently than potentially other medicines, right? Like if there's certain things we can do without medicine, great. But thyroid medicine, I almost don't even consider a medicine, right? I mean, it's an essential hormone, like you said. And I had a personal experience with this where I first, when I first finished school, I saw that I had some thyroid issues, but I was so anti-medicine because at that point I was like, everything natural is good. And everything that is, you know, pharmaceutical is bad. And you know, there is this balance, right? And I didn't do thyroid medicine for a while. I tried all the natural things. And while it helped somewhat, my levels never got to where they need to be. And once I finally went on medicine, I realized that I had a lot more symptoms that i even thought that i did and it helped so much but also i probably did quite a disservice to my body for the five years that i didn't do it because of exactly what you're mentioning so it is really so important to
1: know that yeah people just think well you know am i just going to be a little more sluggish if i don't take it and i say oh there's a whole lot more than just being a little more sluggish risk factors are tremendously higher if you don't have thyroid properly regulated you know i'll tell you one funny kind of story is um I, I had a little bout of something called silent thyroiditis, which is not autoimmune. It is just simply inflammatory. Um, and uh, my endo and I, you know, he's a he's a buddy, and because most of my endocrinologists don't believe the way I believe, but this guy would tolerate me <laughs> and, and my and my wild beliefs. Aww. And so I went to. Him. And I said, I said, Doc, I said, I've got a, I've got a free T3 that is five times higher than normal. I'm jumping out of my skin. I don't know what's wrong with me, um, and I know everything. You didn't just ask me. <laughs> I'm joking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, uh, long story short, I had silent thyroiditis. Uh, we managed it, and in three to six months, it went away. And uh, but then when you come, and I'd always had perfect thyroid prior to that, and so when I came off of that, my thyroid uh, resettled um, in hypo range. So I was hypothyroid. So I started taking thyroid and I was on 120 uh, milligrams of, of armor. And I was using slow release because my heart had been pounding so hard for six months from the hypothyroidism, hyperthyroidism that, uh, that I had used slow release. And I was also using 20 micrograms of T3 and had my levels really looking good. And I was uh, feeling more like myself again, thank goodness then I learned about something called lotus nitrexone. And, uh, and so I, I started the lotus nitrexone and within, uh, about 30 or 40 days, I started noticing that I was having symptoms of high thyroid again. I thought, Oh crap, I have got silent thyroiditis back. And, uh, and I tested myself and it wasn't, um, it actually was just causing my, uh, peripheral tissue sensitivity to increase. So that means, the di- diadonase one, which is the enzyme that converts T4 to T3 in peripheral tissues, was working much more uh, efficiently. And uh, and I'll be darned if uh, if if I had to lower my dose to thirty to forty five milligrams. As a matter of fact, I take thirty milligrams one day uh, for two days, and I take forty five milligrams the next day, and then back to thirty, and I don't take any T3 anymore. It it caused my body to work so much better, my thyroid to work so much better. It caused my receptor sites to be so much, so much more sensitive that I was able to reduce my dose by two thirds. Now that was kind of a cool win, and so I didn't, I wasn't able to stop thyroid, but I was able to significantly reduce my levels, and I haven't had to go up. in, gosh, it's been four or five years now that I've been on lotus Nitrexone. So you're still on it? Yes. Uh huh. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and that's a very fascinating um, topic, which I think would be a topic for another show because we can probably talk for two hours about low-dose naltrexone, but I'd love to have you back to talk more about that. I know that a lot of
1: yeah, I just wanted to wet your whistle that that it was really effective on thyroid. It's it's effective for so many different things, and uh, and that's a another day's talk, as you and I both know. But but I did want you to know that that it made a dramatic impact on me, and and matter of fact, it's made a dramatic impact on my wife who has Hashimoto's, and uh, and now that she has gone totally grain free, not just gluten free, but grain free, um, you know, she is doing so much better. I mean that that spark is in her eye again. She has these beautiful blue eyes, and her her, uh, that spark is back. Her brain is back. I mean, she has this incredible brain, and and so it's amazing to see her doing so well. And uh, and I do attribute it to several things, including dietary. Um, and LDN. So,
0: yeah, for sure. Well, and it makes sense because they all work together, right? You know, when you're going grain free, you are also eating naturally low lectin. And for so many people with Hashimoto's, because so many people with Hashis have the HLA celiac genotype, right? So we know that there's gluten, but oftentimes they may be sensitive to wheat germ agglutinin, which is a lectin. So a lot of the lectins can react. And there's, of course, cross reactive foods with gluten. Um, so the grain free is really helpful. And then the LDN is going to have this natural sort of Balancing effect. I mean, obviously, there's so much more, but in a nutshell, you know, sort of balancing effect on the immune system. So there's going to be less, hopefully, flare-ups, and then the thyroid can stabilize. That makes a lot of sense, and it really is helpful for so many people. So, Jim, for those who are considering compounding because they may be either having reactions to some of the other medicine, or maybe the dosages is just not what they need, and they can't get it with what's available, they sometimes. Wonder, well, how accurate is the dosing? Because if someone is actually putting them in capsules, is it computerized or how is that done?
1: Thyroid compounding is the hardest compounding that I do. Um, it is the most complex. It is It requires the most diligence and the most technique, the most knowledge in order to put out a product that is what it says it is. Um, it's easy to think that you're doing a good job in compounding, but the only way to know for sure is to get testing done. So um, I remember the state board of pharmacy came in quite a few years ago and uh, they said, Jim, do you ever do any testing on potency testing? I said, well, sure. i test my hormones. i test all kinds of stuff. They said, have you ever tested any of your T3 capsules? And I said, well, yeah. And, uh, and I pulled out two sheets. Um, one had a 99% and one had 101% T3 in it of the two capsules we sent in for testing uh, on two different te- uh, technicians that I had working for me. And I said, I'm really proud of these because I just got these back you know, just a couple of days ago. And they said, gosh, Jim, we have never been in a pharmacy, and this is in, in uh, my state board, Never been a pharmacy that had passing tests on T3, and uh, and so I just want to caution folks that that most compounding pharmacists want to do a good job, and most compounding pharmacists are really ethical. But if you want to really find out, okay, are they good enough to do T3 or T3 T4 compounding? Ask them for a potency test uh, that they passed on that to prove. Their, their processes because it is really, really difficult. I mean, I have a $20,000 machine that mixes the powders so that I know exactly how much the, the filler is mixed with the active ingredients. Um, it's $20,000. Uh, and then our technicians have to pass potency tests before I can even let them even try a thyroid because it is the hardest one to make.
0: And is that because it's just such small dosages
1: Exactly. They are tiny dosages. They're adherent molecules. So they can adhere to the side of the container. Um, and, uh, and then if you aren't perfect with all of your capsules, the way you, you fill them, um, you know, because we have empty capsules that we're putting powder into. And if you don't have a really good process for filling those capsules, then it won't turn out for you in spite of the fact that you, you may have thought you did a good job. Until you test it and prove it, then, no, I, I would not accept that unless they can show you proof. And, and I know a lot of great compounding pharmacists across this country that do a good job um, and they are ethical and they, they, they care about patients more than anything. And uh, because that's what we are, we are just customized care for our patients. And, uh, but you know, you got to make sure that, you, that there's, there's good and bad apples in every barrel. And got to make sure that you have a good apple.
0: Mm. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is that if people are considering compounding, if they go to the right person in the right pharmacy, and if they ask for these potency tests, then it is going to be very accurate and they don't have to worry, but they really want to do their due diligence to make sure, correct?
1: 100%. And uh, and And it's not that the pharmacists who are not putting out as good a quality product that they wanted to put out a bad product. It's just simply they just didn't know what they didn't know and uh, i had to investigate this a lot in order to become this good at it we had to do a lot of trial and error um and we had some failures before we knew okay our process is working now we can dispense these to patients
0: yeah now jim i know that your pharmacy is in texas um if we have people say on the east coast or over on the west coast and they listen to this they really like what you have to say they trust that your product is going to be good can their doctor ship the prescription to your pharmacy and do you ship out of state?
1: No, we don't. And, uh, I take care of patients in Texas, and uh, and then but I have lots of buddies across the country. There's there's seven thousand compounding pharmacies in in the country, but I can tell you that that when you look for a quality compounder, look for to see if they are PCAB accredited, PCAB PCAB accredited. If they're PCAB accredited, that means they go through. Matter of fact, we got our accreditation uh, visit coming in next week, and it'll be our third time to be uh, to go through this process, and it is extremely. Extremely, tough. <laughs> and, uh, and so anyway, they look at every little nook and cranny of our practice and how we do things and how we, we can claim that we have good quality and that we have safe products and that we, they are what they say they are.
0: Now, is there a website where people can look and see a list of pharmacies or compounding pharmacies that are accredited?
1: Yeah, and, and if you if you look at even if you look at the website of compounding pharmacies in your area, you're going to see some of them that have the PCAB logo on their website because they're only allowed to use that if they are PCAB accredited. So that's another way to do. You know, you just say, where's my local pharmacy? Look compounding pharmacies in my area, and then look for the guys who are PCAB accredited because they are the tip top of the heap. Okay. That's That's great to know. And and also, um, you know, I I do hope that some of the listeners will understand that that compounding is under assault right now. And uh, the FDA is not like us. They don't like what we do because we're not manufacturers. And therefore, they are working very diligently to shut us down. And that and it's one thing to lose an industry but it's another thing to lose access for patients and the doctors to have the option to say you know what i need a, a slow release t3 and there isn't one commercially made thank goodness i've got jim and other pharmacies like him on the, on my corner that i can say this and and if you value that kind of care then it'd be good, a great idea to go to to www.compounding.com and, and put in a few good words um, on the patient testimonials for compounding so that we can continue to fight the good fight because we are, have a national campaign right now to preserve access, patient access, and the doctor's access to compounded medications for these customized formulas.
0: Yeah. And it's so unfortunate that this is happening because as you just explained, there are so many benefits of compounding from the type of other ingredients that, you know, you don't have to have some of the potential fillers, the fact that you can do time release and you can really get as specific as you need with your dosages, which is just huge. You know, this way people don't have to have five different bottles of five different brands of things so that they switch back and forth, right? Because for a lot of people, that's what they do. You know, they'll have a Synthroid 88 and then type Synthroid 100 and then they have Cytomel of 5 and 10 and they, you know, kind of try and get it to where, you know, versus just taking one. So there's so much value and convenience, you know, and obviously health benefits in compounding. And it is very sad that, you know, all of the compounding, I know we talked about bioidentical hormones earlier in the year, you know, and thyroid compounding is kind of in that same boat. So anything that we can do to help to support this. Um, so for everyone listening, please go to compounding.com. You know, there's a petition you can fill out. Um, there's a testimonial, you know, if you've done anything that's compounded and you've seen benefits, it would be really, really helpful
1: um, if we can all support it. I so appreciate those good words. Thank you so much, Ina, for that. Because uh, we're we're here for our patients, and uh, and if you know, it, people say, "Oh, you're just trying to save your business," and I'm and saying, "You know what? Um, money doesn't make me happy. I don't do this for the money. I do it to take care of patients. I'm a caretaker, and most of my compounders are caretakers, and they just wanted they just want patients to be happy and healthy. And uh, and I really don't even think about that. I think about you know, am I am I keeping my employees employed? Am I am I Taking care of my patients, and that's what's important to me, and that's what's important to most compounders,
0: of course. And I mean, I know just from when you and I've chatted in the past, I remember we couldn't find a time to connect so we can figure out timing for the episode. And it was a Saturday, and you were saying, "Well, I'm actually going to someone's house to help them with the medicine. You know, it just shows how dedicated you are. I mean, you really um, you really are. So thank you so much for first all the work that you're doing and spreading awareness about this and, and helping everyone keep their compounding hormones. But also for all the information you provided here, there are so many things that people don't always know because they just think Synthroid is Synthroid and that's it. But you know, in terms of T3, like we talked about, the time release and all of the dosages. So thank you so much for being here and sharing all of this with my listener.
1: Well, thank you for the service you're doing. You're an incredible gift to your listeners and they are so lucky to have you.
0: As you just heard, finding the right thyroid replacement can be a bit of an art in addition to science. And there's so many different options. Thankfully though, because there's so many different options that gives you a lot of choices. So this way you can find the best support for you. Based on Denise's trials and previous blood work, it seemed that she needed both T4 and T3. The issue was that when she took commercially available T4, she may have been reacting to some of the fillers, and that's why she didn't feel well. And then when she tried desiccated thyroid that has both T4 and T3 in it, she felt super wired and couldn't take very much of it. And the little bit that she could take was not enough to bring her TSH down and out of the hypothyroid state. Now, also, she has Hashimoto's, so we know that her thyroid is being attacked, and it was likely attacked on the actual thyroid where she wasn't producing enough hormones on her own, but it was also very possible that the attack could be happening where the conversion happens from T4 to T3, and that's why she wasn't converting as well. So she did need the T3. Now, when I looked at her labs after she took the desiccated thyroid, I saw there was a good reason why she felt wired. At that point, her T3 was way too high. What was happening was that desiccated thyroids like Armour or Westroid, they have a fixed ratio of T4 to T3. There's 80% T4 and 20% T3. Denise needed some, but likely she didn't need that much and the T3 was too active for her. Thankfully, we had another option and that was compounding. This is an option that her doctor has not tried and I knew that it was going to make a big difference for her. Since she was doing okay on the tyrosine, we opted to go with synthetic support. While, of course, every person is different and there's not always a right or a wrong, sometimes, especially with Hashimoto's, people can react to the natural support and natural meaning the desiccated thyroid that come from a boven source. Because what happens is the body may sometimes think that because it's a boven thyroid, it may look similar to your thyroid. It may think it's actually your thyroid and start to attack it. It's not that common, but it does happen. It actually happened to me. So since she was already doing okay on the tyrosine, which is synthetic, and so that we didn't have to mix too many different things, we worked with her doctor to prescribe a synthetic T3 with a dosage that was less than the amount that was in the desiccated thyroid that she took before, but also a dose that was in a time released form. Now, by the way, I know that the word synthetic support may sound like a bad word, especially when we talk about health and natural wellness, because synthetic typically isn't a good thing in these cases. However, synthetic thyroid hormone is a little bit different. When it comes to thyroid hormone, the synthetic hormone is really the same as your own thyroid hormone. So this would be very different than saying something like synthetic estrogen versus bioidentical estrogen. So when you hear synthetic thyroid hormones, please don't think of that as a bad thing. So with Denise, we started on five micrograms of synthetic T3 in a time-released form, and she did great. She had no issues, she was not wired, and she was feeling better. When we retested, her T3 was better, but it was still a little bit low. So her doctor decided to go up a little bit and went to 10 micrograms. On this dose, she felt even better. And then when we retested the labs, her T3 was now in the optimal range. So she's now taking a combination of 75 micrograms of tyrosine and 10 micrograms of compounded time-release synthetic T3 and is doing really, really well on that. She was wondering if at some point she might be able to get both medications compounded so that she didn't have to take two separate pills. And that of course is possible. She was instructed to wait a couple of months just to make sure that this really is the right dose for her. And if that's the case, the compounded pharmacy could then do both compounds in one pill. Denise was really happy to have an answer and to be feeling better. Now, if Denise sounds like someone you know, can you please share this episode with them and be sure that you subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And remember, when it comes to your health issues, please, please don't give up. There is so many different things that you can do. The answers are out there and there really is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you on the next episode of Health Mysteries Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.